0: Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen Altrogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Kluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Altrogi. With my co-hosts Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper, and uh, Barnabas, you've been out and about traveling the great United States. Uh, where have you been in recent days, and why have you not been sending us up periodic updates?
1: Uh, well, I'll answer the second question first, and that's because you don't really care. Um, at fair, least t- fair, I'm sure Ted doesn't want updates on my whereabouts. Fair enough. No, no I, I, don't, don't. I don't. I don't
0: know. actually. No, I don't really I'd- either.
1: I didn't think so, uh, but no, I have uh, I have been to the panhandle of Florida, to the fine city of Pensacola. I have been to Lincoln, wait, Nebraska. Wait a second.
0: So you were literally like an hour and a half away from me?
1: <laughs> I was there for like 12 hours, so I flew in, spoke,
2: and flew out. It was very quick. You would have hung out, I'm sure, man, if you'd wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> we make time for what's important yeah.
1: to us, Steven. Yeah, I'm sure you, sure <laughs> you would have <laughs> called me up. I I actually don't know Florida well enough to know how close Pensacola is to Tallahassee so it never even crossed my mind cuz I just assumed that they're far apart but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, I live in the panhandle. It, which is really just like Alabama's basement as far as I can tell. I kind of, you know, I picture Florida and think like uh large suntan elderly Jewish men on the beach and uh and nope, that's not the panhandle. Not here. Nope. Nope. It's uh it's very I would say it's very redneck. I think that's a fair way to put it. We take pride in that.
0: So anyway, y'all, uh, you were in the panhandle and you didn't you didn't call and then you were in Wisconsin?
1: No, I was in Nebraska. Nebraska and then then back in Nashville for a little while and then Wisconsin. And let me tell you, uh Wisconsin, those people can eat and they can feed you. We I ate nine days worth of calories in about forty eight hours and it was delightful. Ted, how
0: where is Michigan? My, my geography is kind of bad. What relation is Michigan in Wisconsin? How close are they to each other?
2: Dude, they're not super close. I mean, to get to Wisconsin from where we are, you can, uh, you can either take the ferry across Lake Michigan, which is a blast. I highly recommend that actually for people on both sides. But, uh, we've done that a few times. Uh, more common is to just drive down and drive around and kind of up through Chicago and then get to it that way. But, uh, but yeah, I love Wisconsin as well, man. I spoke there in the winter, and uh, and I I second what Barnabas has said about the eating. I mean, it's just uh, like what kind of food? Like, are we talking like giant heaping servings of casserole, dude? Like really heavy like diner food. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh yeah, you're I so mean the they're earth people, man. Just like well, diner food, and I got like a gift bag that was also full of food, you know, cheese, full of brimers, diner food, <laughs> sausage. Like, yeah, it's it was just. Well, it's all yeah, cured
1: my, meats of various kinds.
2: Cured meats of various kinds, exactly. Yeah. So my gift bag had like like cheese curds in it and <laughs> like sausage oh and uh, and like a Wisconsin hat and <laughs> uh, and that was it. It was great. great.
1: Oh, I. Well, I Wisconsin actually borders Michigan at the upper peninsula. Like the True. Michigan is broken in half, and so the it, it does border it there. But the upper peninsula of Michigan is basically just like wilderness, as far as I I, I think.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful wilderness it's, and really kind of different people so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's like the northern version of deliverance yes exactly that's
0: a good way to put it well before we dive into the podcast let's thank David C cook Dave Dave thank Dave. you Dave let's thank David C cook for being a sponsor uh, go to DCC ebookscom DCC as in David C cook David C cook DCC ebooks com to get deals on books free ebooks all that good stuff. Uh, also, special thanks to the guys at Resonate Recordings down in Louisville for editing the podcast. If you need your sermon or podcast edited, resonaterecordings.com. Those are the guys to do it. And, uh, guys, we are, we're, how many weeks into the football season are we?
1: We're in week three, Three. Week. Week in week three. three. Yeah. Of course, by the time this releases, it might be like week six. So.
0: You know what, Barnabas? You can take your judgments
1: back to Wisconsin. They don't judge there, they're very uh, they're very gracious people At least on the surface
0: they don't judge um, So we're in week 3 of the NFL season The Bears are roaring along as always uh, The Vikings, what are the Vikings, are they at 1-1? One one?
1: They're at 1-1, one one. they laid a massive egg in the opening Monday Night Football against San Fran And then they just beat the snot out of the Lions so.
0: And uh, the Steelers are sitting 1-1 one and, one. and Antonio Brown, man, have you guys paid attention to what he's
2: doing? Yeah, he's killing everybody. He's, yeah, right.
0: He's kind of ridiculous. I, and yeah. So uh Steelers. He's, are, he's a central um,
2: Michigan Chippewa, man, the pride of uh the pride of Mount Pleasant.
1: Where did Yeah, that's right. Where did Randy Moss go? He was at Rand, wasn't he? He was at Marshall. 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 Yeah. Rand is the town that he came out of for high school. Oh. So, that's so right. the whole Rand University thing was that's his upbringing. Yeah, yeah, that's his, what I was thinking his of upbringing.
0: Well, uh, we we had a conversation. We started a conversation. I can't remember what week it was. I think it was two weeks ago. I was laying on the couch watching football, and I all of, I had this idea all of a sudden, and I think I texted you right away, Ted. I said we should talk about what pastors uh, are the equivalent. Like who the equivalent NFL coach of pastors are, because there's when you look at the NFL, like there's a, kind of a lot of similarities between coaches and pastors. They're in front of people. They're leaders. They're uh, always you know communicating. And I they have poor style choices. <laughs> poor style sweater vests. A lot of sweater vests. <laughs> uh, so we started going through the list of pastors who could also be NFL coaches or passers who had their equivalent in the NFL and we had some re- <laughs> just pulling up the list right now we had some great ones so let's start with this one this is uh, this is more just on the physical side uh, Ted you said Paul Tripp being Mike Ditka primarily for mustache
2: reasons. Yeah, yeah, that that I think was my least funny one. Because, yeah, well, uh, I I thought that was a good lead off. That's yeah, it was a good. Of, it's a good lead off. Good warm, just warm up. Warming up. Yep. Now, Two great mustaches, though, is the point, guys. Right.
0: Yeah. Now you said uh, Rick Warren is who?
2: <laughs> now you're you're starting out with all my mean-spirited ones. Uh, Rick- <laughs> Rick Warren and Andy Reid, just because they, they bear a little bit of a resemblance. That
1: also, also involving facial hair and uh, stature to a degree. Stature.
2: Yes, yeah, stature is a great way to put it.
1: Although, to be fair, I'm pretty sure Andy Reid could eat Rick Warren.
2: Probably could, man. <laughs> the other question is, does does Rick Warren have real clock management problems? You know, Andy Reid actually would eat Rick Warren, except that he knows that he would get thrown out of the Gospel Coalition if he was that close to Rick Warren. So. <laughs> He's, uh, he's steering clear of that.
0: Uh, don't you guys also feel like, I feel like there's sort of like this, with Rick Warren, I, like almost sort of this like
2: sloppy sort of like yeah. style. You know yeah, I mean? kind of shambling. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the, well, the one was, that he really reminded me of was Rick Ma- Rick Majerus from basketball. From college uh, <laughs> basketball a few years. Yes. He, w- Warren
1: Warren is the king of the uh, the oversized Hawaiian shirt So whichever coach yeah. is the oversized Hawaiian shirt guy, I feel like that would be Andy Reid if he wasn't coaching in a cold place.
0: Well, Andy Reid's always wearing the like r- rumpled like tracksuit
2: look. Yeah, he looks like a coach. I mean, he looks like a like someone who's around athletics. But, around uh, them, not participating. Around enough. them and not participating, exactly. <laughs> there was an,
0: I don't know if you guys saw this, there was an Onion headline uh, about a month ago that said, Andy Reid is
2: now forcing rookies to carry his snacks for him. <laughs> nice.
0: Nice. <laughs> uh, Dude, my
2: favorite football-related Onion headline was uh, Tom Coughlin retiring from his family to spend more time <laughs> with football team. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had, a, I had a Tom Coughlin. Uh, yeah, who was your Tom Coughlin one? Uh DA Carson, old and old and cranky. Two two guys that are just no, kind see, of old, old well, and sig- intense and cranky. I
0: said Tom Signific- Coughlin I thought Tom Coughlin was more like John Piper. Like sort of like yelling a lot,
2: thin, wiry. Yeah, but John Piper seems I mean and, he seems joyful, whereas whereas Coughlin just seems miserable. You know and, what I mean? He and just that's seems to yeah, That's just why I made good. the, the Piper Joe Gibbs comparison.
1: They're both retired. <laughs> they both had a great run of success quite a while ago and uh and both are are generally pretty beloved characters uh by their fan bases
2: yeah you know, that
0: works. i love it that you feel like your dad basically his run of success was like 20 years ago well <laughs> do the math <laughs> so you, like all the stuff he's got going on now that's sort of like the nascar stage of joe gibbs
1: yeah, pretty much. It's just sort of, uh, you know, it's continuing the legacy. It's, uh, it's, it's yeah. doing some stuff you still love for what he did. But like 1998 or whenever the passion stuff was is about 20
2: years ago. So I, I think that's. I think there's some parallels there. NASCAR and banquets, man. That's all there is now. <laughs> You know, for both Joe Gibbs and John Piper and, yeah and I mean either- John Piper really he really gets a lot of joy from his NASCAR team.
1: That's right he loves NASCAR uh, neither of them have done anything to to you know shoot themselves in the foot over the years you know they've sure. maintained sure. a nice character standard so yeah I don't know it seems to fit for me who was a uh, who was a uh, oh it was Mark Driscoll.
2: Yeah, it's, this was one of your good ones.
1: Is was is Jim Harbaugh for sure? Which, oh, which is, that's
2: perfect. It, yeah, because
1: so, he's he's in your face. He's angry. He's loud, and he wears out his welcome after about three years wherever he goes. I love it. <laughs>
0: Burns a lot of people out. Throws them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but really successful for a little while.
2: Uh, Ted,
0: you said Rob Bell is.
2: I said Rick Neuheisel uh, initially, but I'm going with Lane Kiffin. Uh, blonde, <laughs> flaky, and a failure in Los Angeles.
0: <laughs> now, I, Who were we? What, weren't we going back and forth on Lane Kiffin, though? Was he the one we were going back and forth on? I don't think so.
2: I, th- I think you threw Lane Kiffin out there, and it didn't really get any traction. But, uh, but, but the more I thought about it, and believe you me, I did a lot of show prep. But uh, <laughs> I feel like Kiffin is, is the Rob Bell of, uh, of football.
0: Uh, and then I'm trying to pull up the. Did we have any other? Uh, oh, no one. We I don't feel like we ever solved. Where does Francis Chan fit into all this? Ooh, like I kept thinking mm, this through. Right? Like like a guy who had a ton of success and then just kind of vanished. Like I was trying to think who he's was, Bill Cower.
1: Well um, oh. Cower still Cower is still around though. So is Chan. Like books are still coming out with his
2: name on it. I'm assuming that's not a lie. He's still around. He's, he's just not won Super Bowls, meeting. but then walked away and like also walked out of the public eye, like no TV or, or anything. I'm trying to think who that would be. Shula? No, you anything. know who he is. He's George Seifert. <laughs> <laughs> Remember George Seifert? No, no. He's oh uh, no no
1: the, the Rams coach, uh, the guy Vermeil, Dick Vermeil.
2: Dick Dick That's who he is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Dick Vermeil. Or I was I was actually gonna say, uh, oh Barry Switzer. Because he uh, he was sort of flashy like Switzer, you know. I mean, he made more of a splash than uh, you know than than George Seifert or Dick Vermeule maybe. But Vermeule uh, was
1: a was a real emotional guy. He always cried during cried press all the time, man. Every press so I, fe- I feel like there's a the, <laughs> the emotional connection. There might be might be a real thing. Is, Dude, it, is yeah, Frankie it, Chan still putting out books? Either. Yeah, I don't know. Is he it, and his wife put out a marriage book sometime in the last year? I'm in, I'm assuming it's two people. Oh at the last. yeah. One is Francis Chan and the other
2: is like I don't know something else Chan. So I'm assuming they're married. You everybody does a marriage book, man. What are you guys going to do? Your marriage books with your ladies? I'm I, I'm still waiting on that one.
1: I what think a, you have to be married for a certain number of years before publishers will they sort of qualify you for that. Like I think it's like 13 to 15 years somewhere dude, in that Frank's range. He's not that old, man. He's he's probably forty.
0: Neither oh, is he, okay. Neither is Matt Chandler, and Chandler
2: just put one out. Wow, well, dude! Chandler gets a special exemption. He's he's Pope like. But uh, we're <laughs> Who's, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Man. Does, does Chandler a little...
1: have a coaching equivalent? Oh,
2: we didn't think about that one. Mm.
0: Chandler's uh.
2: Man, I don't know. That's a that's a great one.
0: Oh, and what about uh what about uh the Seahawks coach? Uh Pete Carroll.
1: Pete Carroll. Who did we say Pete Carroll was? We said Andy Stanley for him, didn't we? I that was my suggestion. I'm I'm willing to change it, but it's just sort of like the the energy, the positivity, the guy you look at and you're like, "Wait, he's 60 for real?" I yeah, would have guessed he
2: was 35. P- positivity with very little behind it. That that would yeah, that would fit. <laughs> Well, really,
1: really depends on assistance to make, thing, make
2: things run. Yeah. Actually, that's a knock to Pete Carroll. He's a good coach. A I guy. was
0: going to say, he has like two, <laughs> two Super Bowl appearances.
2: No, totally. I love Pete Carroll, man. Run the ball, Pete.
0: Uh, uh, Matt Chandler, man, that's a that's a sticking one. I feel like it's got to be Guys, I don't like, think
2: there's an equivalent, man. I mean, I
1: think... It's tough because coaches take so much heat and nobody hates on Matt Chandler. Like, he's he's the beloved. So... He doesn't fit in the coaching paradigm.
0: I would assume the pulpit and the pen hates on Matt Chandler.
1: Uh, they don't count because if hate is your only language, then... Whatever. Nobody pays. Is their to love line. I was just, I was just <laughs> gonna
2: say that. That should be their tagline. Hate <laughs> is our love language.
1: <laughs> it's genius. Does does uh, Belichick have any any pastoral Ooh. equivalents? Ooh, I feel like we did have the pulpit like, in the me. pen. <laughs> but
0: uh, but he, but he's really
1: good. At yeah,
0: okay. No, at so their, it's uh,
2: it's gotta be somebody crafty. Didn't we have a uh, didn't we have a Lovey Smith parallel? Or are we afraid to make that joke on the air? I was gonna let you make that Racially tinged joke. <laughs> uh,
1: you you for for Levy Smith you drew the equivalent with uh, Vody Bachum right as as a uh, an African American who is almost successful, moderately
2: successful, and doesn't That's want right. you to date his daughter. Probably. I mean, I don't know with with Marvin Lewis, but uh, you know, maybe. Ooh, yeah,
1: I I really liked the John MacArthur Dick LeBeau parallel. Both very defensive guys, very old, <laughs> possibly past their prime, but having had a great run of success in their prime. Yeah, that, like, that like a good. lengthy run of success. Yeah, like for decades.
0: What I feel like with Belichick, it needs to be somebody that's like a, a, sort of a, a crafty.
1: It's Tim Keller.
2: Yeah, that's who I keep yeah, thinking about. Right. Kind I of keep... intellectual. Sort of intellectual, but sort of relatable at the same time.
1: He's he's smarter than everybody else. He's more relatable than he lets on he just keeps he keeps on winning even though people ought to be catching up to him. Yes. I I think it's I think he's got Yeah, be.
0: that's who I think too. That's the guy who kept that's coming to my one. mind, except that Keller has yet to be
1: found cheating on on attendance numbers or anything like I'm that. I'm pretty sure if you have a successful church in Manhattan you're cheating in some way. They he, just haven't caught him yet, which means he's smarter than Belichick is. That's true. If you're not cheating, you're not trying.
0: Amen. Uh, let's let's move on to now. Since we're already talking about sort of celebrity pastors, uh, this uh, I th- thought this was a good a good one that you brought up, Barnabas. We are in the the middle of the papal visit to the United States of America. Pope Francis himself, Chan. not to, yeah, I was gonna say not to be confused with Francis Chan, um, and you uh, you put up a good. You raised a good question, Barnabas, which is why do we why do we rip evangelical celebrity pastors but the pope basically gets like a free pass on being
1: the biggest celebrity pastor of all time, all the time. And you raised a valid counter question, which is you mean aside from being infallible? So, I mean, I think that probably ought to be answered. That's a good question. <laughs>
0: well, that was the first thing that came to my mind was – Part of the huge difference between evangelicalism and, and Catholicism, I mean, part and why this I think it is allowed to exist in Catholicism is they really do have a doctrine of papal infallibility, which th- that sort of instantly creates the biggest celebrity ever, doesn't it? I mean,
1: he's infallible, right? <laughs> but it's funny because it it. It makes him more deity or demigod than it does celebrity. Like when we talk about celebrity pastors, it's like, oh my goodness, did, you know, we were just talking about Matt Chandler and how he, he's this this the flawless pastor, if you will, and uh, and that's sort of a celebrity kind of thing where he he still has his shine. He hasn't he hasn't lost it in the public eye. But the Pope is like, oh, he he's in an entirely different category because you don't think, oh, did you read the latest book from Pope Francis? everything he writes is is to be viewed as gospel so to speak like it's just oh that's a that's a papal proclamation we we shape our lives around that uh it, so it's it is a little different than standard celebrity i think
0: ted would you go to see the pope if he was coming to nash or uh, you um jackson? jackson yeah jackson uh no probably not man What if he was coming to your hometown? Would you take your kids to be blessed by the Pope? Uh, If I was.
2: No, I definitely wouldn't take my kids to be blessed (laughs) by the Pope. But I was just thinking about my hometown and how small it is and and how, you know, you kind of can't escape anything in my hometown. So I, I, you know, I guess if the Pope was there sort of in the, you know, the Hartford City, Indiana Fourth of July parade, like throwing candy (laughs) off the back of a flatbed truck with, like, local Pee Wee football teams, you know, I, I would go to see that. Sure.
0: Do you, Ted? Do you have any thoughts on why, uh, why the Pope is basically allowed to exist in the the form just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, period? Just yeah, This period. Why is he allowed to exist? Just why that? Why the, Why it's acceptable <laughs> for there to be such a culture of really worship? I guess is the right word, isn't that? I mean, when you guys yeah. say worship, no, I mean, it worship, I mean it's worship, right?
2: People want some kind of physical outlet for their worship you know i i think that's a really good point actually. yeah we, we were joking about football before but i, I think you see it every sunday afternoon in, in america you know people you know people just want this tangible thing to get behind and i think for the catholic church and even for just sort of nominal catholics everywhere the the pope is just this sort of he's their kind of celebrity figure you know he's there. you know the the guy who you feel like isn't going to screw it up you know what i mean because if you love a pro athlete there's always the there's always the chance that you'll read the bad story about them or they'll have the moral lapse or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like Catholics think the Pope is just kind of a safe bet. You know what I mean? You know, you can, you can buy the jersey and, and he's not going to get traded or released. I mean, that's a, it's a safe investment.
0: Well, and I think that's a really good point, Ted, because we really do – Like, we crave physical manifestations to worship. Like, that's in the quote that is so often misquoted, which is, you know, John Calvin's quote about the heart being an idol factory. Um, I think he was in that section speaking about the papacy and our desire to create physical uh, representations of something to worship. And so, there really is, like, I think you're right. It does, like, it's like a worship
1: experience, it's a safe bet kind of thing totally and i i'm pretty sure that i'm pretty sure that uh, i mean having not grown up catholic that I, the 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 sort of silly comparison we made between celebrity pastors and <clears throat> the pope is not you're talking two different two different entities entirely because apples and much bigger apples he, well evangelical yeah evangelicalism at no point has said that uh that pastors are to be to be worshiped that they're infallible they're simply leaders they're people who we who we follow to a degree but they're not we're not supposed to view them as flawless the the roman catholic church has set up the pope for centuries to be that way so from if you grow up in the catholic church you are taught from birth to view the pope as something very different than we're taught to view pastors so we have this weird little sort of celebrity crush on pastors they actually are taught that this is a this is the voice of God to men in a lot of ways, and that's a that's a distinctly different thing. But the reason celebrity pastordom gets so weird is because we often start to turn them into popes. You know, where we will never question what a celebrity pastor says because because in our minds he's he's the voice of God to men, and so it's we start to look more Catholic than anything else.
0: Guys, I was thinking uh, earlier because I knew we were going to talk about this. I was thinking. If evangelicalism elected a pope, who would it be? Who goodness, it, it'd, it'd be like the Republican presidential race. Who would we elect as pope of evangelicalism? Would it be someone like, like I was trying to think of someone who's right down the middle and very popular? Like Rick it's almost Warren. like, yeah, like a Rick Warren, Andy Stanley, uh, Joel Osteen's too, like. Too prosper. He's sort of the Donald Trump of the. He's not even evangelical. Ted, any thoughts on who would get elected?
2: Oh man. Uh, yeah, boy. This this is a tough one, guys. Um, you I think, know, I think back to our back to our presidential kind of discussion. Yeah there, there, yeah. there are certain guys who are too old. Um, there are certain guys who might be too young. Um, Rick Warren, I think, is is just kind of too irrelevant anymore. Um tell that to the like how many people go to his church? Like twenty to thirty thousand. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> just, I don't know, maybe man, I would I, I would have a hard time betting against old uh Maddie Chan at this point, man. That guy's got a he's got everything on lock at this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Maddie Chandler is sort of like the guy who's coming next. Kinda like a Oh, I think he's here. Like a Marco Rubio or uh I don't know, I don't know. Uh, all right, last section that that we were going to hit is we haven't done this for a while, but uh, oftentimes we get questions, um, wh- just asking what we're reading or what we're into. What we- also um, uh, we also haven't talked about what we've been listening to lately. We usually do like a listening slash reading. Uh, section so guys we haven't done this for a while what books have you been into what music have you been rocking out to uh ted now that you're a professor do you listen to a lot of strange eclectic music
2: yeah i've gotten really lame i listen to bad folk music and and you know just uh yeah go to like coffee shops to hear other faculty members play bad folk music (laughs) that's sort of the culture around that around being on faculty somewhere you know Ted, actually no, how, I don't do any of those things. Ted, how long till you get uh, tenure? How long till you actually are free to do whatever you want? Oh, baby, I'll be lucky to just have a job from year to year, man. I'm just going. I'm going one day at a time. I'm not even thinking about tenure. I like that attitude. One day at a time. One day at a time.
1: Uh, okay, so what have Barnabas? What have you been reading lately? Uh, I've been reading. <clears throat> it's nice that we go a long time between these because it allows me to actually finish books. Right. Yeah. Me too. Um, I I started reading a book called The Chris Farley Show. Oh, is, I wanted to uh, read that. It's an oral history of Chris Farley's life, basically, which oh, nice. sounds like an utter and complete waste of time, except that Chris Farley was one of the defining people in my formative years, and I think he's one of the funniest people who ever lived, and his death was really tragic and sad. Not that any death is not tragic and sad, but...
0: <clears throat> well, his, um, his was like... He was such a young... Like... It, Yeah, every death is tragic and sad, but he was like one of those guys who just flamed out. You know what I mean?
1: Like he just he lived so hard. He died at about our age. He you know OD'd in his early thirties, and uh, so it's it's a fascinating book though, just about kind of what made him tick and other people's observations and how people could have intervened and didn't, and then when they tried, it was too late and all this stuff. So that I'm reading that one. I'm reading another one book called Primal Leadership. It's by a couple different contributors to the Harvard Business Journal, I think it is. But it's about emotional intelligence in leadership and how and how that's sort of one of the key defining characteristics of what makes a good leader. Um, and then I'm reading another one called "The Dark and Bloody Valley" or "The Dark and Bloody River" about sort of the the discovery and the settlement of the Ohio River Valley. So it's a it's a his, it's a historical novel by a guy named Alan. Pinkett or something like that um alan just Pinkett, all kind of, notre dame running back <laughs> probably same guy let's go with it um let's go with it i hope so so it's just all about like the uh exploration and settlement there so i'm kind of all over the map right now now ted primal leadership sounds like the kind of book you would totally be into Oh, dude, I'm
0: all
2: over it, man. It's possible yeah, I, that Chaz Marriott. I was just going to say, yeah. Sure Chaz actually blurbed Primal Readership or Primal <laughs> Leadership without reading it. So Primal yeah. Primal Readership is what I'm doing. Primal Readership is is actually the publishing platform building book that I'm writing. <laughs> kind of it's a now, response to Michael Hyatt's landmark book platform
0: now ted i was gonna ask when is when are we gonna hear from chaz
2: next like what's chaz doing these days when are we gonna hear from him your chaz has been quiet man chaz is uh he's he's been on hiatus taking care of some personal issues you know just kind of getting his (laughs) he's in more time with his family you know he's rehab (laughs) he's, he's, (laughs) he's retired from publishing to spend more time with his family at least that's what the that's what the news release said
0: Oh, that, that's brilliant. Well, I'm Which means that there will be
2: another re- news release soon that he's
1: divorced and writing more books. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, Ted, uh,
0: what
2: have you been diving into? Uh, do you have much time to read these days? You guys, you know, it's funny. I um, I, I don't have a ton of time right now to read, uh, but I always like to be reading, and I like to be reading something. And It seems like I, I was lamenting this just the other day to my wife. Like... You ever, have you ever been in one of those periods in your reading life where you start four or five things and they they all suck? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> yep. hate that, man. I feel so lost without something good to read at the end of the, at the end of the night. You know, something to you know to, to lay down with or, or just relax with for a few minutes. And um, yeah, it seems like I didn't have that for a while, man. Are, uh, but I'm actually you, are on, you the type uh, who do ahead. you feel any obligation to finish crappy books? No, I, if a book is crappy, I bail on it immediately. That's um, smart. But, yeah, unless it's something like that I have to read for a class or just that I have some obligation to read, I, I bail immediately. Now, Ted, what cra- just to save us from sure. misery, what crappy books did you not like? Dude, a bunch of them, man. So I started this book uh, about the Patriots, like how they built their team. It was from some columnist in Boston. It was bad, so I bailed on that. Um, I tried like a Mario Puzo novel, <laughs> like the guy that wrote The Godfather. Oh, yeah. I was just like, you know what, I want something fun and violent and, and just escapist and that didn't even do it for me so i, I stopped that i've read um, almost all of his books and i think he wrote two good novels including the godfather and then like seven pretty terrible ones exactly man and i think i grabbed one of the terrible ones and and i remember enjoying the godfather like i read uh i read those years ago and liked him which is why i picked this one up but uh i oh i started reading uh the book that uh, that Brad Pitt zombie movie was based on
0: oh world war z uh, world war z, z. World war z. That's yeah a, which
2: i f- finished that that's a really plodding book dude it is very plodding because the and i kind of enjoyed the the whole sort of playing with structure thing in the sense that it's just like an oral history of something that never happened yeah it's
0: like a fictitious oral history it's
2: a fictitious oral history that just got really boring about halfway through it because did, yeah, I it saying did. the same thing it was picks- up a little
1: bit but it yeah it's a grind in the middle
0: it had yeah. it feels like it had a lot of potential but it just kind of like like start like just got so slow and hard to it yeah, almost like, like he lost care. his way
2: yeah, he did, man, and I I think being that I'm not like a, a zombie nerd kind of person, like I'm not into that subculture other than like Shaun of the Dead, I thought was funny. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that counts as zombie subculture. I, I don't think it does, man. I don't think it does. But uh, but I'm onto this um this like nuclear holocaust book now. That's an old one. It's called uh, Alas Babylon by Pat Frank. Have you guys ever read that one?
0: No, heard it of it. Never read sounds it. Sounds really familiar.
2: Dude, it's fresh, man. It's really good. I think it was written in. Um, well, I can look. I think it was written in, like, the late 50s. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so kind of when all that stuff was... So that
0: would have been, like, when that was a real, like, fear.
2: Yeah, right, when it was a real fear, and, you know, the Russians were, were the bad guy. Um, the thing I like about it, though, really clever, good character development, good dialogue. Um, yeah, there's nothing sort of kind of cheap or easy or, or contrived about it. I really uh, I really enjoy it. Don't you guys, like, kind of miss the days when we could just have a good old, like...
0: National enemy to hate like Mm. Russians. No, yeah, yeah, you
1: know it's. You can't even do that anymore. We can't, unless you're Donald Trump. Then you can point at anybody who's not American and make them your national enemy. Yeah, but nobody takes that. And also, most
2: people in America and make them also your. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) In fact, maybe he's our national enemy. Come to think of it, there you go. Donald Trump would be a great like Cold War movie bad guy, wouldn't
0: he? He is almost like a parody of us.
1: I was going to say, except if you watched it, you'd be like, oh, come on. That could never happen. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: like a parody of a villain.
1: I love it. I love it. He totally is. <laughs> have either of you guys read the book I Am Legend? No, but I have, have it.
0: I have it to read. I just haven't read it.
1: You know, talking about zombies and apocalyptic stuff reminded me. I read it a year or two ago, and I can't figure out what to make of it. I both thought it was fantastic, and I kind of hated it at the same time. So hmm. I was curious if you guys had any What opinion. did you hate so, about it? Um... <clears throat> It just where it landed. It, Will it Smith. Ended in a, yeah. The, oh wait, that in was the, the movie. Will Smith um, in
0: the book, which was sort of odd.
1: No, the movie was the movie was stupid. Uh, I thought, but the book, I, I thought it was brilliantly written. I thought it was just really interesting, sort of because it's just one guy's perspective living by himself with no other people around, as far as he knows. Mm. Um, but then just where it ended was kind of like, oh well, I guess that's the end. And and so I wasn't sure whether that was a brilliant wrap-up that was a surprise or it was a total letdown and i still haven't made up my mind i sort of felt that way about the road by cormac mccarthy oh yeah so, yeah was it oh, similar to that it had it was a similar kind of ending yeah, yeah. where you kind of get to the end and you're like I, it was genius or it was awful or I it was awfully right. genius i'm not sure which
0: but that totally fits cormac mccarthy though it doesn't i don't know like you know what i mean like at no country for old men it just kind of ends like and nothing gets resolved
2: yeah, I mean if you're kind of known for writing depressing literary stuff, I mean, I think you you kind of have to stay there. I'm pretty sure but, I Am Legend was written in like
1: what the 70s maybe. And I think it was a good long time ago. Yeah. 70s or 80s. So I mean it was it's it it wasn't they weren't copying Cormac McCarthy, let's say. It was right. it was maybe one of the formative books of that what if the I don't know if you call that a style or a genre or whatever.
0: Uh I'm reading I I. It's been a long time since I've read anything by him. I'm reading this ginormous novel by Tom Clancy, uh, called Executive Orders, which right. it's like book.
1: It's called the subtitle "More Technical Specs."
2: Yeah, this- dude, that's it with Clancy, man. I can't get past 16 pages of like what the missile looks like. Six- you know,
0: it's yeah, 16 like basically like the user's manual for the, <laughs> oh, right. for the missile. No, this one actually. Uh, it's not super technical. The plot, honestly, though, like, I, I've said this to my wife, Jen, a couple times. Like, I'm 350 pages in, still kind of waiting for it to pick up. Yeah. Like
1: I feel like that about every Tom Clancy book I've ever tried to read. They, You get a third of the way in, and you're like, nothing has happened. I yeah, can't.
0: and it's... I can't figure out if I, like, want to soldier through just to, like, say I did it with a Tom Clancy novel, like, say I actually finished, Mm -hmm. or just quit, but I still have, like, a thousand pages left.
1: Nobody will be impressed if you finish, and no one will blame you for quitting, so I think that might answer your question.
0: (laughs) That's true. No one's
1: like, whoa, you read a Tom Clancy novel? And Dude, I'm so impressed. (laughs) Round of applause for you. Yeah. Oh, Steven, you mentioned a book on Facebook the other day that I bought on Kindle on your recommendation called Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. I love that book. So you said it was one of your favorites or that you loved it. I yes. bought it because it was $2 and uh, that's about the right price range for me, uh, especially if it's not a book I know anything about. Why is that book awesome? I haven't dug in. I'm just curious what I'm what I'm going to wade into whenever I decide to read it.
0: It's very, um, very heavy on like 80s subculture. Okay. And it's set in the, f- like, 2050s, I think. Uh, sort of a, dru- like, not apocalyptic per se, but just really bad. Things have gotten really bad. Um, it's heavy 80s, tons of 80s references, pretty, like, <clears throat> nerdy video game, like, old school video game references, like Pac-Man, uh-huh. and sort of a, like a throwback. Um, so it's very nostalgic. It's very, uh, it's very. I mean, it's a fun story. It's like your classic, like it's a pretty stick to the like format adventure story where there's a guy. He's got a pro You know, he's a nobody. He runs in like he, it's a quest. He finds a girl, but it's told in a really fun, fresh way. Uh, it's it's going to be a movie directed by Spielberg. Really? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. It's really fun. I thought he was only doing uh, World War Two movies now.
0: No, no. He's he's uh, he's going to be doing this one. I'm not sure who's starring in it. I haven't
2: seen anything about it yet. But it was fun. It was a really fun one all right good to know um, i
0: bought dude i feel uh, like
2: all old men have to do a world war ii movie <laughs> you know what i mean so when we're like the three of us are like 80 we should we should combine and uh, and direct a world war II can movie. we get
1: tom hanks to be in it then we'll be just like steven spielberg <laughs> times absolutely Sp- yeah, i mean how many world war ii movies has he done
2: with hanks like four seven yeah tom hanks will be like 110 at that point but, <laughs> but it won't matter we'll just put him in the uniform anyway you know
0: <laughs> uh what about have you guys uh li- listened to anything lately that you've enjoyed Music-wise, do you not read start-
2: the last? I'll read you the last five songs I added to my Spotify uh, list. This is Shangri La by Mother Lovebone. Bone. You guys, remember those guys? <laughs> no, Scout. but I can't say I do. No, but they I were, uh, they, were the, they were yeah they were the precursors to uh, Pearl Jam. So like some of the guys from Pearl Jam were in that.
0: Band. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay.
2: Uh, Them Bones by Allison Chains. Uh, nice. Stay. By Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. You guys remember that song from the 90s? Uh, the Lisa that sounds, Loeb that's the kind of song I would recognize if I heard it, but I don't know the name or the artist. Oh, it's great, man. It's great. That's true for most of the 90s, actually. Show <laughs> Me the Way by Styx. Oh, nice. man. I was making a list for a student of like great songs with bad theology, and uh, <laughs> that was in there. What? Uh, then, how did
0: that come up? Like, How did that become a list you were making?
2: Uh, I don't know it was just a conversation, so uh like heaven by warrant is on there, uh fallen angel by poison, um what else was on there? There's another great one. what
0: about uh that ultra sad song that Clapton wrote about his son?
2: Oh dude, no, that didn't make the list, but that would be perfect. Oh. Tears in heaven oh right? man that yeah that's
0: like the worst that's oh like, that's a tear jerk oh my goodness, I that's can't a, hear that,
2: yeah, uh, the other one was uh fly to the angels by slaughter. <laughs> A lot of theology in those 80s hair metal ballads, you know? Oh. That's something. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love the it. The other one I've been enjoying lately is Hold On by Wilson Phillips. You guys remember uh-huh. Wilson Phillips, the girl band? Uh-huh. Yeah. And said, wow, that's something. Yeah. Now, Barnabas... <laughs> you guys go now. You guys go be vulnerable about your music. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'll go be- go. Go be mocked by the other two.
0: Barnabas, yeah. you, I saw that you were uh, mercilessly mocking Ryan Adams on... Facebook the other no, day. No, I
1: was not. Everybody took it as merciless as much. I've literally never heard anything he's done, and so my comment you guys was... You haven't either. I said, so uh, this guy named Ryan Adams, Ted, so Stephen, I'm guessing, knows who all about oh, Ryan Adams. Oh, yeah, I like
0: Ryan Adams okay. much. Okay,
1: so this guy named Ryan Adams put out an album that I, I It's, it's apparently, a complete... It's, it's a, a complete, complete p- cover of Taylor Swift's 1989 album. Yeah, okay. And... All of my Twitter feed and Facebook feed blew up, which is because I follow and am friends with a large number of 30-something white males. And so my comment was, I've never heard Ryan Adams' music, but based on the number of 30-something white males who are going nuts over it, I have a pretty good idea of what kind of music it is. I meant it as a neutral statement. Like, literally, I've never heard his music. I don't know anything about it, but based on who's listening to it, I think I kind of know what it is. And people were like, why do you hate Ryan Adams? I didn't hate him. I don't even know what he – I'm assuming that all these people like him. He's probably good at something. I just don't know anything about him. It was
0: like everything we know about you and the way that you phrased that comment made it sound (laughs) like you hate Ryan Adams. All that we know about your hateful personality plus the way you worded that –
1: I mean, I can I can see how it might have been taken as a bit of a pot shot. My, the most negative thing I meant by it was based on everything I'm get, gathering from this, I'm probably not that interested. But that's different than saying someone's terrible. Well, I hate Ryan Adams because he's not Brian Adams.
0: <laughs> I get that. I, people will say that a lot. I'll be like, hey, have you heard Ryan Adams' new whatever? And they'll be like, you mean Brian Adams? I'm like, no, this is Ryan
2: Adams. Everything I do, <laughs> I do it for you. Uh, you should cover that. This Ryan Adams it would be sort of that song.
0: It would be sort of meta if Ryan Adams did a complete cover of Brian Adams. That would be
1: great, And yeah. then brought Brian Adams in to do a duet on the final song. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness man, killer. Christopher I think, Nolan I think
0: Christopher I, Nolan, if you're listening, this yep. could be
2: the plot of an, a new movie, and, and then there would be like a there'd be like a wall and the and the wall would be made of like just like the stuff on the ground, you know for <laughs> Christopher Nolan every movie uh, I, I do have one recommendation of something
1: that I started listening to that's not music. Uh, but it's a podcast that I just ran across and it's called The Season. And it's one that uh, I think it's a group out of WNYC in New York is doing. And it's they're covering Columbia University's football season. So apparently Columbia has not won a game in... They haven't won in like 25 games. They're awful. Nice. They haven't won a league title since I think the 60s or the 70s. They just hired this new coach. And so it's basically just covering their season to see to to look at it as what does it take to turn a team around but the thing that's really interesting about it is that the guys who are doing the covering are your typical like young npr hipster nerds i was gonna say is it it's like npr meets hard knocks kind of yeah and so and so like they the first game of the season they go and they're covering it and both guys were there are saying this is literally the first football game i have ever attended in my life so they're looking at this story as total football outsiders, which is equal parts amusing and really, really interesting. And you know, each episode's twenty minutes, so it's it's a really interesting one for non-football fans because it's presented in a very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Empathetic way to non-football fans, but if you like football and you just like good storytelling, they do a really good job. So it's a weekly thing where they just sort of recap what happened the week before, how did the game go, etc. It's a it's a cool one. And I think it'll just run for whatever 13 weeks during the course of the season.
0: I think, guys, we should do a podcast like that where we cover something like cricket or rugby.
2: Where we I think just, I, dude, we if, we, just, if you can if you can bring in the budget, man, I'm all over it. Get somebody to fly us to. Well, that's, they play yeah, free that's free. the thing. We c-
0: it could be sort of like that immersive journalism thing. Like we were gonna, like Ted, when we were gonna send you to Brazil for Face Gloria. I'll still do that. <laughs> still available.
1: <laughs> there was a there was an Australian guy who'd never watched American football who live blogged the Monday night football game at the beginning of the season when the Vikings played the Niners because the Niners have this Australian. Uh, He's an Australian yeah. rugby star who's now playing football for them. So he live blogged the whole thing, knowing nothing about football, and it it was hilarious. Just his commentary. So yeah, I think I think hmm. there's a lot of potential in that concept. So guys, I'm, I just had some sports headlines up, and I saw a headline
0: was Patriots' keys to victory over the Jaguars.
1: Does one of them score more
0: points? (laughs) Well, I think the main key to victory there should just be the Patriots playing football. Just just arrive. (laughs) Like show up. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Key number two,
0: Blake Bortles. (laughs) Yeah. There's not a lot of keys going on there. It's mainly just Patriots arrive and play football. Did Uh, you know
1: that Tom Brady has more wins in his career than the Jaguars franchise? I believe it. I don't, yeah, I don't find that one hard to believe it's just funny when you see that one player has been more successful than the entire history of another team <laughs> granted they started in the league about the same time but still yeah, yeah. well
0: folks we have wandered too and far on the podcast and as always we are grateful for the listeners if you have the chance go to itunes leave us a rating ratings always help uh, it only takes a single click, and if you're kind enough to write a rating, we may just read it live on the air, which would basically be the culmination of all your hopes and dreams. Uh, we also want to thank the good folks over at David C. Cook for sponsoring the podcast. Go to DC Dave, Dave DCC Dave. Books, or wait, DCC eBooks. eBooks DCC eBooks dot com. DCC eBooks Yeah, that's right. Uh, go to dcc ebooks.com get free ebooks good deals on books and also a special thanks to our friends at resonate recordings for editing the podcast if you need a podcast edited if you need your sermon in, sermon edited uh, those are that's a great place to have it done uh, do they, if, they edit
1: out bad theology or just do like
0: audio editing they might i I could ask I that, them would to, great, that would be great if they edited out bad theology if it was like a theology sent, it, it, you know what Here's a business idea for us, guys. You guys remember Clean Flicks? Oh yeah, like that business that would like that got the pants suit off them for doing this, but they would like. Doesn't sound clean. We should keep. They would. They would take movies and create their own like edited version of it. (laughs) We could start a business that would edit out bad
2: theology out of movies, songs. Is that why my version of, uh, of Pulp Fiction was only like 14 minutes long? I, th- I always thought that was a short film.
1: And it was basically just stills of people's faces because the moment they opened their mouths, the whole movie just went sideways.
2: Samuel L. Growing up evangelical.
0: <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson had three lines
2: in the yeah. whole movie. <laughs> I always thought he had a cameo in that movie. It turns out he was kind of a main figure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, folks,
0: until next time, peace the heck out.